Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Faith in Jesus Christ can fall victim to a heart that ends up becoming an unbelieving heart. We can end up battling thoughts, attitudes, and actions that pull us as far away from the place within the context of God's blessing and plan as we could ever imagine. And often you think about the story of the Israelites. God had delivered them out of Egypt, only for a number of them to come full headlong into destruction because of what? unbelieving hearts and I just hope today encourages you and challenges you today to to do what Paul says to continually examine ourselves wake up every day examine yourselves to see that you're in the faith wake up every day choose you this day whom you will serve as I shared once again on Wednesday night in the message and we're going to look at verse again 12 through 15 of Hebrews chapter 3 if you're able physically let's stand this morning out of reverence for the reading of God's word Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become companions of the Messiah if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for the privilege of having your word, being able to read your word, being able to stand firm in your word, Lord, and as the body of Christ this morning, boldly proclaim your word, hear your word, and Lord, let your word transform us, change us, conform us into your likeness. Father, I have nothing for these people alone today, Lord, but you are the only source of all knowledge, all truth, all life. Father, hide me behind the cross today so that your Holy Spirit might speak to hearts as only you can. Father, work in hearts. Bring ones to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Convict, challenge us. Do all that you desire to do, Father, and let us be but clay in your hands. We ask this today in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So verse 12 again, we'll get into this. Watch out, brothers, so that you won't, there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. Interesting thing in the beginning, watch out who? Brothers. Do you realize what that's speaking to? That's not speaking to unregenerate. That's speaking to professed regenerate believers. Watch out, brothers. You don't see in the scripture them referring to the unregenerate as brothers, do you? 
No, they're referred to as people. They're not brothers. These brothers are referred to as people who are your brothers, your brothers, your sisters in Christ. These are ones you are in fellowship with. So it says, watch out, brothers. So you got this explicit pointing to ones who are already among the followers of Christ. So that there won't be any of you, ready? This is going to get big time in a second. In any of you, an unbelieving heart, and then pay close attention, that departs from the living God. Now, does that have anything to do with God rejecting us? No. You can't lose your salvation. God's not going to wake up one day and go, you know what? I'm just not happy with you. Plock. Some people believe that. They believe when it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling that God's going to decide one day that, well, you're not saved anymore. I just revoked that. That's not going to happen, church. But there's one scary thing that we don't realize. Who can depart? We can depart. Does that have to do with God willing us? No, it doesn't. He's not willing us to depart. God's desire is that none should perish. See, brothers, watch out, brothers, so that you will not, will be any of you, an unbelieving, evil heart that departs from the living God, rejects, hands down, uh, Templeton, predecessor to Billy Graham, preached all over the world, and after a long African um, uh, crusade, he was set to do the one that Billy Graham's, the first crusade Billy Graham ever preached. Billy Graham was a nobody then. Templeton came home and had a crisis of faith. He could not justify the suffering he'd seen in Africa with a God that was all-powerful. And I wish I could have talked to him because it's actually very easy to justify. Man's choice to defy God has ramifications for it. And due to the fact that the sin nature that man chose by defying God's beauty and his picture of perfection that God had given paved the way for mankind to suffer under that, God sends Jesus Christ, but is that the picture of God coming in and stopping all evil events from happening? Well, no, not. God's a covenant-keeping God. And therefore, until what? The time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, and we know Christ's return happens. This is not the, this is not the realm. This is the prince of the power of the air. We're looking at the effects of sin, and mankind has the ability to choose to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ and be set apart, be called out. But that doesn't change the fact that we are still suffering under the consequences of man's choice to sin. There'll be one day that stops, but not until the return of Christ Jesus. Amen? It's coming. I'm excited. And by the way, Scripture actually talks about at that point, this talks about a whole order shift. It says the old order will passed away and all things will be new look at revelation great stuff as you see what's happened but more importantly and more excitingly what is going to happen and i hope you're as excited about it as i am but the first thing i want to share with you out of verse 12 is this this morning we must hold steadfast to the truth entrusted to us what is that truth entrusted to us your mother your father that vacation bible school if you had a godless home Someone shared the truth. You have been trusted, entrusted with an incredible prize. You have been entrusted with great riches, spiritually speaking. We have been given the keys to life. We've been given the keys to hope. Look at our culture right now. It is a culture full of hopelessness, not in the Christian sense. I'm talking about the world. Look at the school systems right now. It's a nightmare. Depression, anxiety, 
disorders from mental to eating disorders and all of this. Why? Hopelessness breeds desperation. Hopelessness. What is hopelessness? Hopelessness is when you have no purpose. What are they doing? Well, there's no heaven. There's no, remember, there's no God, right? They can't talk about that stuff anymore. So you just came out of the slime, slime you know, 65 billion years ago. And, you know, this is it. And by the way, you have no reason for living. Eat, drink, be merry for tomorrow, you die. Oh, by the way, you're not even a boy or girl anymore. In the, right? It's whatever. You wake up, whatever you decide to be, you can be. Well, there's no hope in that. By the way, there's no definition of meaning and reason. Me and that thought process breeds incredible hopelessness. Why do you live? Why? Why? And see, I'm so thankful, though, that we have truth, that we know God created us with a reason and a purpose, and that there is a hope. And that's the beauty of this, this steadfast truth we've been entrusted with. We've got to hold fast to it, steadfast. I'll even go another step, guard Guard the truth. Guard your hearts. Guard your families. Well, what do you say that for, Brother Java? You watch enough of that filth enough times, you've got to be careful because I will assure you the enemy is hell-bent on making sure that he tries to, in any way possible, undermine everything that we are. If he can't do it in us, what does he want? Just get the kids. Because that always gets the parents, Right? Get to the kids because I'll slowly chip away at the parents. I'll chip away at the subsequent generations, if anything else, and I'll make the parents watch a godless generation derived from them that'll grieve them and break their hearts on the way to the grave. Church, we've got to be careful because we have a gift that has been entrusted to us, the pearl of great price. <clears throat> we know what Jesus talked about, right? The pearl of great price. What is it worth to you this morning? What is it worth? I think in American value system, it hasn't, it doesn't receive the value that it should in many cases. You take somebody who's in sub-Saharan Africa right now, who's walked three or four hours this morning to go to worship, who risked everything, who has absolutely nothing, they're broke. Complete, absolute, indentured servitude and poverty is what their life is who's walked for hours this morning with threat of death, rape, danger in every respect, simply because they are not going to miss the supreme opportunity to enter God's presence corporately in worship. And then after it's over tonight, they will walk home, many cases after dark, facing an even greater danger than they did on the way to church. If you ever watch the documentaries or any of the stories about these people from their own mouths, they wouldn't miss it for anything in the world. What about America? Well, Lord, I got uh, worked in my yard a little too much yesterday. I trained my, 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 my everything. I've got the sniffles, Lord. I don't dare want to risk anybody getting sick. Oh, Lord, you know, I got to work tomorrow, and this is the only day. I'm sharing one now that I've heard out of someone's mouth in 16 years. That's the only day I have to sleep in. It's hard for me to get up. You think we're not in a predicament? Culturally? 
You know, though, you might think, well, you know, those are people I couldn't believe someone would think like that. You've got to be careful because we can all find ourselves in that place. We can all find ourselves in that place of compromise, not realizing when you just look at the picture of Jesus with the death on the cross, I cannot begin watching The Passion of the Christ is a good movie, but I think that underestimates by a long shot what Jesus went through. It's moving. Don't get me wrong. But I cannot imagine what Jesus went to when we see in the narrative in the garden when he sweats drops of blood. Can you imagine? Remember, Jesus is God in the flesh, right? I and the Father are one. Do you think Jesus was ignorant to the fact of what he was getting ready to suffer? No. No, if anybody knew, he knew. When Jesus says, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, let it, but not my will, but yours be done. What do you see in that? You see someone who wants to redeem mankind, who wants to fulfill the Father's will, but if there's any way that mankind can be redeemed apart from what he recognized was getting ready to happen, Lord, let it, but not my will, but yours be done. He did this, not even ignorant of the fact of what the level of suffering, and then as the father turns his face away from him, complete isolation and alone. I think we don't take enough time to appreciate the magnitude of what Jesus paid on our behalf. An eternity separated from the father, giving us merely our will. Jesus died, paid the price, to restore fellowship with us in the Father. What a gift. What a gift with innumerable blessings. Unlimited love from a God whose son we put to death because of our sin nature. So watch out so there will not be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. There's so much competing or vying for our affections now. Everybody wants to be the God of their planet, their universe, you know? We're this big cultural thing of, you know, it's, it's the old Burger King motto, have it your way. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Oh, you stop me, it's your problem, officer. You, you didn't talk to me the right way. I don't have to this. And it's everything is about our will, Right? Everything is about our rights, what we deserve. Everything is about that, isn't it? As a follower of Jesus Christ, it should not be about our rights and our will. We actually take our rights, our desires, and we say, God, they're yours. I want your will. I want your desire. God, I want your plans and purposes to overshadow everything in my life. God, you sent your son Jesus to die an unspeakable death, tortured, beaten almost to his spinal cord for the weight of its entirety of sin, every thought, every action. And as at times we flippantly engage in sinful practice, whether knowingly or unknowingly, we heap that right on top of him all with his grace and his mercy 
In 1 John 9, 1, 9, we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And his perpetual call to us, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. And what? I will give you rest. Shouting through the halls of eternity is this overwhelming love that God has for us. Many times as we're running in the directions we want to, we're battling because we think that God should have done this, that, or the other, and God is being silent on the matter because it was not God's desire for us to do whatever it was we thought he should have, and then who gets the ire from us? He does. God, you've abandoned me. And then you see these times people get on Facebook and start ranting about how God failed them or how this and that. And then a thousand of their quote-unquote best friends get on there and say, well, I can't believe and how terrible. And yet many times it's consequences from our own choices that are descending on us. People don't want to hear that now. We don't want to hear that. What do we want to hear? How we're doing it right? how it's good and how it's not us, it's, it's everybody else that's done it. What's the first thing that happens when policemen, for the most part, I want to tell you this, for the most part, policemen don't ride around and target you. They just don't. Are there cases of that? Yes. You know what I know? This is what I know. 9.9 .9 times out of 10, you are doing something to get pulled over. But what does the culture do now? We see video after video. Well, if the person hadn't been doing 90 and a 45, hadn't happened to have a half ton of illegal substances in the trunk, but all of a sudden it was, well, he pulled me over because of this, that, or the other. No one wants to take responsibility for actions. Nobody wants to, it's not my fault, it's everybody. If my parents hadn't been poor, if my parents hadn't been rich, that was the other one, it's called affluenza. If your parents are rich, then now there's a defense in court that you were rich and you ruined your kids and actually a young man got off um, uh, vehicular homicide by killing, it was two or three people, if you remember that case, because they said, that due to the fact that this young man was born into a family that had so much money and influence he was not raised to know right from wrong so we go in every which step we'll go this way it's i was too poor and that's the excuse for my behavior i was too rich and i want you to understand something church one day the bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord you know that that's going to happen whether you or i like it or not you know that that's going to happen whether you believed it or not? Do you know that that's going to happen if you have a child that you do not raise to know right from wrong, they will still stand before God one day and will still be judged whether they believed it or not or whether you taught them or not. We have a major, major this morning call for us to impress our children the unchanging truth of God's word. It's the systematic theology of what you believe, why you believe it, how you believe it, and to the best of your ability to teach them to understand that, but then to defend and contend for that faith. And they will have to come to that place in their life where they either accept that, they reject it, 
They all have to work that out. Every child does. Amen? I didn't come to that understanding until I was 29 years old, having been raised in a Christian home. I was as rebel as rebel, and I'm kind of a black and white person. What's right's right, what's wrong's wrong. So it was kind of difficult until God really helped me understand scriptural and, and scripture and truth. And it took till 29 years old until that happened. I'm thankful for it. Do I believe God should have been so gracious to me? No. But I'm so thankful and I'm so overwhelmed by his mercy, his grace, and his patience in doing what he did with me. But I'm thankful today that I have a believing heart and I have two parents that have believing hearts. And I know my mom, I love her to death. She's as hard-headed as it gets. She's strong-willed. My mother, everybody on the planet would be a Christian if my mother could make them love the Lord. That's what I know for a fact. That's how much my mom cares about every single person that she ever comes into contact with. Is that a rational thought process? No. Does sometimes she say a few more words than she should in a conversation trying to convince them? Yes, but I understand her desire. Her, her desire is for no one to have an unbelieving heart. And my question to you this morning is, what is your heart? Is your heart one that you're following the, 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 the call of Christ, the, the person of Christ because your parents did it, your grandparents did it? Are you doing this because it's just what your family does? Or are you here today because you have, in your own mind, stepped back and thought what I was saying just a few moments again of comprehending what Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what he suffered for us, and completely floored at the reality of what it means to you. And you're not here because anybody else is here. And if everybody else left, you'd be here by yourself because you have come to the full understanding that there is no way around this sin issue. And it is clear as mud, right? No, it's clear as crystal clear that there is a battle between good and evil, light and darkness, and you want nothing more than to live in the light of Christ. You want to be what God's created you to be. You don't have all the answers. You don't care that you don't. You know that you walk and you serve the one that does. And if that's you, you're in a really good place. You know why? Because you've taken the time to step back, to examine, and to ultimately come to terms with the fact that it is impossible to fully comprehend the infinite of an infinite God. There is no way possible you can ever, being a finite individual, fully grasp the magnitude of the uncaused cause, which is what God is. That created everything ex nihilo, out of nothing, still even blows my mind even greater. But then to recognize, when you do a small study of the cosmos, and realize in the limited ability we have, the infinites of time and space will actually even more overwhelm you in the person of God because you realize we are nothing. This earth is not even a speck of dust in the cosmos. And it's weird because until you do that, you can be like, you know, we're pretty big here, you know. We're this big blue ball floating out there, you know, get back. No. Look at Antares, look at Octurus, and many others. But we are nothing. We're not even a drop of water in the ocean if they had an ocean on their sun. 
literally nothing. And I, I, I lend back to that song in the late, I think it was 2008-ish, Who Are You, O God, That You Are Mindful of Us? <laughs> Who are you, O God, that you are mindful of us? Who are, wh- wow. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. Listen to verse 13 again. But encourage each other daily. Listen, daily. Encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Whoa. Encourage each other daily. Church, this isn't talking about getting together once a week for Sunday morning to fellowship. This is actually talking about the call of a disciple, and the daily obligation we have with one another. If you're not on my verse text list, I'd be glad to. Write your name on there, put verse text list, and then you can put your phone number on there. I'll put you in it. Every morning, five days a week, uh, with me going in on Mondays and Tuesdays at 645. You're getting it a little earlier on Monday and Tuesday. That's the reason. But I, for going on now, this is 15 plus years, I've been sending out that verse every morning. What am I doing in doing that? Do I do it because I get paid? No, I don't get paid to do that. It takes time. I actually pick the verses out myself every morning, and I send those, and I do that because of this right here. Encourage each other daily. What a blessing to be able to start God's Word, your day, with God's Word. I hope you've already read God's Word, and this is just some icing on the cake, but this is part of what I'm trying to tell you is I want to be an integral part of a brother and sister in Christ and discipling one another daily. We need each other. We need that encouragement. Do you know how many times it's been that someone has texted me and said, Brother Jonathan, that was in my reading this morning. That's wild. Or I am going through this situation right now and that verse spoke literally exactly to the issue that I'm dealing with right now. You know how awesome it is when I hear that? Does it make me feel good? No, it makes me go, God, you are right in the business of meeting people where they need to be met. I know it's the power of God. I know it's the Holy Spirit of God. And I know that God gives us what we need when we need it. But see, that's just a small thing that all of us can do. And little things like that, it's so encouraging to know. You know that that verse... Some people have started their own list, and that verse goes on to other people who they have also started other lists. So I don't know how many people that get that every single morning, but I know there's a lot that do. What a little thing. It doesn't cost me anything. There's been lots of opposition to it over the years. I know that. I've been cussed for it. I'll get to that in just a second. But you know what else I've known? I was put on a blacklist from my cell phone carrier because they called me a spammer. Isn't that ironic that I can send out a hundred verse texts to people who have asked to be done and not reported as spam, but they deemed it so interesting that how they deemed that spam, I wonder why. Doesn't have anything to do with maybe the Bible, do you? But that's the opposition I've also had where some people had a tendency to change their phone numbers and forget to tell their preacher. And if you're not a believer... The last thing you want at 7 o'clock in the morning is a Bible verse. So I've had to, when some people have changed their numbers and not let me know, I've been cursed. Righteously cursed. But you know what I realize? It's part of doing business in the spiritual realm. What did I do? I prayed for them. 
and I get all bent out of shape and mad, and I, I tell you what, I go, no. You will be hated by all men because of me. And that's what I thank God for today, that I'm able to encourage, and though I, ex I don't even call that persecution. That, to me, is just a hiccup in the nothingness. It doesn't matter to me. Because the blessing of what God's using that verse to do is way more important than the little bit of waves that I experience as a result of that. But I want to share number two thing. Ready? Sin will try and rob you out of God's blessings. So if I had allowed this little thing just to kind of give you one of those scenarios that plays out in our daily lives. So let's say the time that I got cussed. The, the times that I've gotten cursed. I want to underestimate that. Would it have been smart for me to get all bent out of shape and all fired up because the only thing I'm trying to do is encourage people? How dare somebody not tell me they change their number and leave me open to somebody cussing me? I'm done. I'm just done. I'm tired of doing the right thing, and it's always something. What's the old saying is, uh, what is it? No good deed goes unpunished. So I'm just not going to do it anymore and throw a little three-year-old hissy fit, right? And I, I don't have to take the time to do that anymore, and I don't have to think about that every single morning. And when I'm meeting with someone, that's always on the top of my mind when I can't send that out at that moment. And I have all of that mental energy that I dispel doing that daily. It's done. It's just, and then I don't have any of that stress anymore, and I'm good. Now, see, what the enemy wanted to do is try to rob me out of God's blessing. Because I know that God's word does not return void, but accomplishes what it was sent to accomplish. So therefore, the same way with you this morning, if you're doing something the natural tendency, though, the human condition is the moment something happens and we're doing the right thing, to say, I'm not doing anything good anymore for anybody because everybody treats me bad. Don't let the enemy rob you out of not only a place of blessing, but put you in a place of sin. Because in essence, if I did that, not only would I rob myself of the blessing, but I would be engaged in sin. Because what I would have done is, Lord... I know they threaten to kill you. That'd be like Jesus said, I'm done. They threaten to kill me. I'm out of here. That's where it stops. And we'd all be in big trouble right now, wouldn't we? Amen or oh me? Yes. This is what I think about when it, when it comes to guarding. As I thought about this whole process, people guard their homes. Some people have security systems. Very wealthy people hire security. Some in Hollywood hire physical beings to do the security. So spiritually today, this treasure, this blessing, this gift that God has entrusted us with, salvation. How serious do you take guarding that? How serious do you take growing that? Growing in your walk with Christ, growing in your walk with the Lord, growing to be the person that in your language, you know, I wish I had the faith of such and such, my friend. You know, I wish I had the spiritual discernment that such and such has. And more, I just wish I had the joy that, that they have. And they're just so happy. You can see they love the Lord. I wish we were like them. I would ask you, why aren't you like them then? Because scripture says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. The only reason that you don't have the walk 
with Christ that that person in your life has right now is because you're not seeking him with all your heart. You're not delighting yourself in the Lord. You're not spending your time continually in God's word, delighting yourself in the Lord, praying without ceasing. Or are you? And God has failed to do what his promises. See, I know God hadn't failed. So if you're seeking the Lord like that, you're growing to the place where you'll have that walk with Christ that you say you want. But it doesn't happen without the investment of time seeking God's face, dwelling in his presence. It won't ever happen, actually. But sin will try to rob you out of that blessing in a heartbeat. It'll try to, to keep us living that overfed, indifference, unconcerned, don't care for the poor. The apathetic Christian mindset of the day, it's all about God's blessings, man. God's wanting to make me healthy, wealthy, and wise. And then what? Fall into that. Don't let anybody know we got problems in our family. Man, we're great. We're batting a thousand. I tell you what, I don't know what I'd do if God was any better to me. I don't know what I'd do. But sadly, people believe this. They believe that God is literally like a snowplow going before us, removing anything that could cause any kind of trial, tribulation. And he's only making way for continued triumphs. That's not walking with Christ, is it? You realize without the trials and the tribulations, what are we? What is our faith? If God hasn't tested our faith, what is our faith when we haven't been Elijah in the wilderness? There's no store. There's no money. There's nothing. There's nothing but dry, arid, open space. Why do you think that picture of that scripture is there? To show that there was no other way for the provision of God but by God himself, doing it in a supernatural way as a raven fed him. What a beautiful picture of that, though, isn't it? See, that's the type of provision that God does for us. He does the impossible. God does exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. He always has and he always will. So outside your house, as you think about that spiritual protection, how many people in this building right now, if you knew that there was someone outside desiring to take something valuable from you, would go, well, no big deal, you know, just <laughs> whatever. Leave your doors unlocked. If you knew the threat was real, how many people in here would install a security system, would reinforce your locks, your lock systems? I would assume many, right? We know right now that the enemy desires to sift us. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt in the parable of the soils in three of those that did not produce a crop. There is an enemy that what? Wants to choke out, wants to steal the good seed. Therefore, my question to you is, what is your security plan, spiritually speaking, so that you may remain steadfast in your walk with Christ and in your faith that was entrusted to you? What are you doing this morning in relation to your time in God's word to instill and solidify the truths that have been entrusted, passed on, shared with you. These are a pearl of great price. They have great wealth. 
The thing is, it's not the wealth that the earth in their earthly perspective is. Listen to verses 13 and 14. For we have become companions of the Messiah if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Third and final thing I want to share with you this morning is this. Stand firm to the end. Stand firm till the end. Do you do that when you're not dwelling in God's presence? No. Guys, you want to meet the woman of God that, that God has for you? Ladies, you want to meet the man of God that God has for you? Let me just give you a few words of advice. Wait upon the Lord. You want God's dating plan? Let's go back to Genesis. He brought her to him. Best advice you're going to get from me today, guys. Kids, you know why? The enemy cannot stand a godly man having a godly woman, and he cannot stand a godly woman having a godly man. You know why? Because those relationships will change the world. You know what he wants? He wants us all bound in such compromise in every respect from the cradle to the grave that we never do anything significant for the kingdom. And by the way, we don't even know what we believe, if anything. He wants us so apathetic and so unconcerned and so indifferent that if you were offered today a ticket to whatever concert or whatever gathering or whatever venue that you've always waited for. And by the way, it's a, it's a, th- a three-month thing. We, we've got you backstage passes to this. How easy would it be to take that? But when it comes to church, hey, what are you doing next week? I mean, I don't know if anything comes up. I might be at church. But we can be so committed to those things that we love and is truly our heartbeat. But isn't it interesting when it comes to committing to the things in the body of Christ or for the Lord? I'll have to get back with you. We're fluid in that sense. You know what I'm talking about? It's not just here. It's everywhere. Don't feel bad. It's very hard everywhere now to get people to commit to anything. I'm going to invoke the words of one of our dear brothers in the Lord here. It's, if, if anything, we could, if I, God said, hey, what do you want to add? I want to add this verse. People are going to do what they want to do. They will. People are going to do what they want to do. My question today for you is, do you want to dwell in God's presence? Do you want that relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that is transformational. What is transformational? It changes your life. It changes your family's life. It changes your children's life, your grandchildren's, and every subsequent generation. It will change them. Is that what you want? Or you want the quasi good old Southern church experience life? You know what that is. I know all the words, but I wouldn't know what living it is if it smacked me in the mouth. It's that life you talk about living in here. 
And if you had a camera and was able to play it right now, the rest of the week, the rest of the church, if they watched that rolled out, their mouths would drop in shock because they wouldn't know who that is. And I just ask you that. Because when somebody will say something and then go, oh, Brother Jonathan, I didn't know you were there, I stop them real quick and go, you don't need to worry about me. I'm nobody. You need to worry about who heard you before I came in. Don't tame your mouth because of me. I do that as a testimony at work so that I get the opportunity to have the conversation. But believers need to realize, professed believers, if you're apologizing because you say something in front of someone because you think, oh, I didn't mean for them to hear that, then you should be thinking about what you're saying in the first place because that language or that statement shouldn't have left your mouth in the first place. Amen? Remember this. God knows all of it. The, the Bible talks about the secret things that are going to be revealed one day. My thing is, live who you are all the time in these doors or outside. Then you know what? You don't have to worry about what, what a company you're in when you're, you're able to live with honesty and transparency. And if this morning you'd say, I don't, boy, Brother Jonathan, that hurt. That just really got a hold of me. Then this morning during the invitation, don't deal with me. You deal with whatever has just caused your conscience to be seared or is searing your conscience because there'll ultimately come a place where Proverbs chapter 1 will play out where there is not going to be any more conviction. You won't feel his power, his presence, and the when catastrophe overtakes you, God will laugh. Oh, he doesn't say that in there, Brother Jonathan. Read it word for word. He said, he'll mock when calamity overtakes you like a storm. You will cry out to him, but he will not answer. It is that serious, church. And listen, that's why I tell you, stand firm to the end. We are in a battle for our lives, for our souls. This morning, Jesus Christ died not so we can live some quasi half-witted attempt at honoring, glorifying, and serving him. He's given us victory in Jesus Christ, empowered, indwelt by the Holy Spirit that convicts us, that leads us, that guides us. His desire for us is to conform and to grow into his likeness so we be fulfilled like nothing ever can fulfill us with a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what his life the call to a disciple and his plan and purpose for us is today. But there's the ever-beckoning call to religion that just slowly drumbeats in the background. And it sounds like one of those songs that we knew as a child that was just a really good song that we knew we shouldn't listen to, but it sounds really good. Because why? It covers the whole magnitude, the scope, and the, the, it covers all of it. We can look like this, and we can enjoy life at the same time. But see, the Bible says light and darkness have no fellowship. This morning, where are you fellowshipping? Where are you dwelling? This morning, do you have a believing heart or an unbelieving heart? And this morning, if you're flirting with the world, the enemy's going to ensure with everything in him that you have an unbelieving heart and that the deceitfulness of sin hardens your heart. That's a scary thought to me, the deceitfulness of sin hardening my heart. I hope today that, number one, that you hold steadfast the truth that's entrusted to you, and that, you, number two, you recognize that sin will try and rob you out of God's blessing, 
And that third and final, that you stand firm to the end, recognizing all of those things because this world has nothing for you. And the brokenness of sin is what the Christ child, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, came to redeem us out of. He came to set us free, to live for him, to glorify him, to serve him. But we all have to make that choice in our, of ourselves. And it's an everyday with Joshua. Choose you this day whom you will serve. It's, the beauty of what coming to faith in Jesus Christ is awesome. It's paramount. It's showing that definitive drawing of a line in the sand, turning from the direction we're going to Christ. And we get baptized to show the world that we've made that profession of faith. But we have to defend and contend for the faith that was once entrusted to us. We have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There's times that we have to look at our lives and look at Matthew 7. We have to continually recognize that. And what does Matthew 7 call us to say? It calls us to be fruit inspectors. By their fruits, you will know them. What is my life? Do I have a desire to honor Christ? Do I have a desire to live for him, to glorify him? And if that time is that you look at the tree in your life and you say there is a barren tree, what does the scripture say? Examine yourselves. Whoa. Because why? The deceitfulness of sin can harden our hearts. Is your heart sensitive to things of the Lord today? Is your desire to dwell in his presence? Is your, are you seeking him with all your heart? I want to encourage you to continue on. But if you're here today and you go, you know, Brother Jonathan, that, that hit a nerve. Um, I, 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 I say I love the Lord and I, I dwell in his presence, but... I don't see any fruit on my, my tree. And I don't know where to start. Well, I do. You get in his presence. You can confess your sin this morning of maybe apathy or indifference. And God, I don't know where to start. God, I don't know where. I know I'm at point A and I don't even know where that is. But I know point B is where I need to be. God, this morning, begin to change my heart. Convict me. Conform me. Mold me. Make me after your will. While I am waiting, yielded and still, that great hymn, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. This morning, all you have to do is have the heart that says, have thine own way. And I pray today that you can go from maybe that unbelieving heart or that deceived heart to that place of yielded obedience where God takes, once again, preeminent control of everything, where you yield all of it to him. Because what God will do is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do you trust them with all your heart? Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and the promise he will direct your paths. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for your Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be. 
and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.